This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Sklina. And I'm your guest host, Pete Stoyakovich. Pete, thanks for taking the time. We uh, appreciate you coming back as the guest host. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Happy to uh, carry the weight. Matt's weight, Matt's which weight. we should say is a lot of weight. Yeah, uh, we made mention of his giant posterior before. <laughs> <laughs> Fill in the seat. You know what's funny is we just had a review that was really positive review, but then at the end the guy says, don't take any health advice from these two. I think that's from like our crash dieting over oh, okay. the over the years. But uh, anyways, probably probably not only a good review, but uh, sound advice. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah. So how has it been now that you, you're a daddy? Uh, daddy, yeah. I I prefer dad. Um, <laughs> I'm just fair you know, enough. Fair enough. Thing. I've been getting the daddy a lot. I I, I like daddy, but uh, yeah. What's that? There's a, that joke. The um, oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, two scientists. One. They're they're de- debating on what to name the spider, and one guy goes, "Let's call it a, a long legs," and the other scientist is like, uh, "No, not kinky enough." Daddy, daddy long legs, daddy, yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Yeah, I don't know. There's something about the word "daddy," and I, you know, it's it's a, a lot of learning, steep learning curve, a lot of sleepless nights. Um, sleepless nights. It sounds like you're still working. Were you working when you uh, were on pat leave there? I uh, I was working from home, and I'm still trying to be home as much as I can to help out. But uh, it's interesting, though. I I was I was at a showing the other day. I just thought of this on the drive over, but I was at a showing the other day with a couple agents, and uh, they were like, "How's business?" And I was like, "Oh, you know, like." You know, we're still busy. We're still, you know, doing deals or whatever. And then I threw in there, but, you know, with with a dirty diaper, 
thinking that I had told them that I just had a baby, but I hadn't. And so it kind of was left there like that I'm doing deals in a dirty diaper, but I didn't know how to actually circle back. Like after that, we just went on to something else and I thought in my head, you know what? I don't think, I don't think they, uh, Those Scalina I, don't think boys. They, I don't think they know, <laughs> know about the baby. So anyways, I spent the remainder of the conversation trying to work in that I just had a, had a baby and I think it, I think it went okay or else I'm, there's going to be some rumors around town. Slave to efficiency. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but we've got a fantastic show today. We've had a, this has been a guest that we've been trying to get on for a really long time. Uh, the Boza family. So Dale Boza and Daryl Simpson. So Dale Boza is obviously he's the CEO of Blue Sky Properties, and Daryl Simpson is the executive vice president of Boza Family Properties, Blue Sky Properties, and Boza Properties. And we are so excited to have them on the program. Yeah, that's right. Boza. Ever heard of them? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, not only like it's it's just actually if you if you grew up in Vancouver, if you've operated in this real estate market at all, um, Boza is is the premier developer. So we're super excited. And actually, Matt and Secret were out uh, in Squamish last week looking at the Sea and Sky property. So two and three bedroom townhomes. Um, so there's a little bit of construction noise in the background of this uh, interview. And we should say we also had him on the Vancouver Presale Condos podcast talking about Sea and Sky. So go check that out as well. Absolutely. Estimated completion 2020. But before we get to our interview today with Dale Bose and Daryl Simpson, Pete, we do have that new copy of Vancouverism, a signed copy by Larry Beasley to give away. And that's based on people leaving reviews. That's right, Adam. Get on Google, look up the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast, go to the right side of the page, review the podcast, and you'll be entered into the draw to get a signed copy of Larry Beasley's new book, Vancouverism. Yeah, and we're giving a lot of copies away of this book. And we got to say, it is a beautiful book. It's uh, really well written. And everyone we know, we've, we now are speaking to people that are reading this book, yeah. and everybody's super excited about it. Everybody's learned a lot. It is the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast, Oprah's Book Club, really. <laughs> and if Matt's desk wasn't uh, messy enough, now he's got a bunch of signed copies of Vancouverism spilling into his chair. Awesome. Welcome back, his, Matt. His large chair. <laughs> All right. Pete, why don't we cut to our interview with Dale Boza and Daryl Simpson? Enjoy. Okay, so we're here with Dale Boza, CEO of Blue Sky Properties, and Daryl Simpson, EVP of Boza Family Properties, Blue Sky and Boza Properties. How you doing, guys? Thanks so much for taking the time today. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having us. So maybe can you start by telling us uh, a little bit about yourselves, how you got your start in real estate, a little bit about the Boza family and uh, and the development company? Uh, well, for me... Uh Construction and development's been in our family since I was born. Uh, started working on the sites when I was uh, seven years old and uh, kind of progressed every summer as a job where there was a cleaning up construction mess and started learning a little bit more about sort of the trades and working with the hammer and, and the apron and learning form work. And Did you really start working in construction when you were seven? Yeah, Is that yeah. a bit of an urban myth? No, that's not Are urban. you sure? <laughs> I, worked I don't first know. Seven's pretty young. Seven like. years old. Swear to God. No kidding. Yeah. I was out in Surrey. I used to get picked up at six o'clock. Be dropped off the site seven, then you know, three thirty, four o'clock I would come home. It must have been more like daycare for them though. <laughs> yeah, I probably swept about a townhouse uh every week. Every week. <laughs> Is it if I understand correctly, you were dropped off in the morning and picked up at three thirty four? Yeah, the superintendent of the site was a my dad's friend, Tony Fogal. 
and uh, he would, uh, yeah, he'd pick pick us up at uh, me and my cousin Paul. Actually, he would pick us up at, uh, yeah, it was like six o'clock. Had to get up, and uh, yeah, we drive out to Surrey, and that was my uh, job. I think you should interview Tony Fagal and find out what he says about. That's <laughs> next up on the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. But so it sounds like so. I, yeah, not, it's been a, a deep family history, but yeah. a deep personal history. As yeah, well. I mean, it's that's all I know, you know, um, and just you know, kind of something I've always enjoyed. And uh, even in uh, on Saturdays, you know, my brother and I we used to go and tour sites with my dad, and we used to walk through all the suites and sort of make sure the walls were straight and things were put in properly. And you just started to learn how projects were put together, and it was kind of exciting. So for us, the next evolution was into development and starting to buy land and rezone it and, you know, bring it through the municipal approval and build it, bring the, you know, the different consultants. So it's just been something that has evolved and kind of learned over time. So it's just, it's been a lot of fun for, for me. And, uh, you know, especially for us now, we've got a really good team at Boza and at Blue Sky, and we're, we're doing some amazing projects where we're, you know, curating spaces and making them sort of really special and, uh, you know, with our rental product and, and condominium products. So uh, it's kind of fun times right now. Just, just as an aside, and this is, is totally an aside, but uh, your father, Robert Boza, came to Canada in 1958. Did they build homes in Italy before they arrived? No, he, uh, he was born in 46, came in 58, so he was 12 years old. Um, he was one of 11. They had three sisters and eight brothers. One of the sisters was a, a nun and never came. She decided to take an order of God and never came to Canada. Um, and my uh, dad's brother, Augusto, um, he was the first one to come over and he actually went to Paul River and he started Bo- what is Boza Foods today, but it was called Mitchell Foods. And um, and that's how they sort of kind of made the uh, made the trip from uh, Italy here. And... Um, they were, there was a couple other families, prominent Italian families that were already here, and they started getting some jobs with them. And then they sort of ventured on their own and started framing houses, uh, my dad and his brother. And then, like I said, from there evolved into apartments, uh, formwork, cabinet making, um, and high rises as it is today. And, and do you, we, we have a, our last name Scalino, which we're kind of Italian by name only. Uh, but, uh, but I'm always interested in, in families that have kind of a, uh, an obvious entrepreneurial streak. Like you have a, an uncle who started Boza Foods yeah. um, over by where I live on Victoria, right? Um, and, then, and then obviously the development companies probably got the best uh, reputation and is one of the largest in, in Metro Vancouver. Like, is there something, have you ever noticed anything kind of unique about your family in terms of kind of entrepreneurial spirit or? Well, I think for, uh, you know, for my dad, I mean, they came from, you know, you got to remember that Italy at the time was kind of a third world country. It was, it was tough. You know, they, all the clothes that he had were all passed down. They had very little food. They lived on, uh, these plots of land where they would have to pay someone to be allowed to live there. Right. Um, and there was no opportunity. So, we talk about it internally quite a bit. My grandfather at the time, I think he was 55 years old, immigrated from Italy, came to Canada, never spoke a word of English really till the day that he died. So you don't know the language, you leave all your friends behind and you're taking you know, eight of your kids to another country to give them more opportunity. And I, I think they always took it 
as a kind of a badge of honor. Like they took it seriously when they came here and they started to see these opportunities that they didn't have back in Italy. And they, they were just very aggressive and hungry. And, um, you know, it's something that you don't see as much today because it's a different, you know, it's a different world right now. You know, there's a lot of entitlement and expectations back then. You didn't have anything and everything you, you, you know, you were given, you had to work hard at, and that's all they really knew. They had hustle, you know, and for them, there's, there's, you know, talk about these urban myths, but they would, you know, instead of walking downstairs, they would jump off the second floor of an apartment building to get down faster. They would throw the wood up. You know, they would, they tell us all these stories, but they're true because that's just, they were very motivated to get ahead. And they, you know, there was this sort of this excitement and this, uh, uh, this energy they got from working. And, um, you know, so I think being a part of that and hearing the stories when, you know, even some of the other brothers used to come over to the house and my dad, we would, you know, business was always a topic around the kitchen table. So, um, and I think that at the same time, they were just never scared about making mistakes. You know, like, you know, when you see that entrepreneurial spirit, you have to be able to make mistakes and learn from your mistakes. And that's how you learn. And, um, I think that's the other, they didn't have a lot of fear. And um, I think that's something that we also have today is that, uh, you, you know, you obviously you take calculated risk, but I think we're, we're excited to try different things. And it's just a part of that evolution and that journey of growing. I think there's a sorry to interrupt you. I think there's a there's a certain tenacity that is shared within the family, within our group that, uh, you know, it, it might be about being open to risk. It might be about working hard, but I think. Really, it's about just persevering, just head down and plowing through things, uh, knowing that you know, you know, always being, you know, hoping that you're going to you know achieve perfection, but knowing that you're likely not going to get it. And 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 I think the mark of you know a great company is is how we deal with those times when we're not perfect and when we make mistakes that are inevitable, and how we treat our customers in those instances and things like that. Right. So, I think well, how long nice. you've been? Wait, how long have you been in that's not 18 21 years what was it, yeah. 20, 21 years yeah. so he's been in a family business and kind of seen the evolution of so it's, i don't know from your standpoint yeah you don't want to talk about my dad's insurance business <laughs> <laughs> maybe sweeping floors at 13 not seven <laughs> but i mean one of, one of the things that strikes me is as kind of an incredible part of of bows and it's i think it goes to both your points is i mean you're the family arrives in 58. So if I'm doing the math right, that's what, 40, 42 years plus whatever, 19 years now. Um, so 60, 61 years. And it's like the a dominant development force. Uh, I mean, I guess you have to be tenacious to a, get to that level that quickly, but also to be moving at the pace you guys like there has to be a, a ton of energy that just remains and consistently people show up to work and just put their heads down and go. You know, I, I think you, you, you've got to remember the scale and the size of the family, as Dale alluded to earlier, right? It's a massive family. Um, but with that comes some risk, too, to the brand because, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for people to make mistakes and detract from the value of that brand. Right. But, but that doesn't that, – that really doesn't happen with Dale's family because they're all good people. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're all good people. Um, anyway, we came here to talk about Blue Sky Properties and the Boza Family Companies and Boza Properties. But uh, but uh, with respect to the brand that is the family and the family that is the brand, uh, one of the reasons why it's so strong is because they're all good guys and girls. Yeah, because that, that's one question I had for you guys, because I think Boza, for 
probably any number of reasons has one of the best, if not the best reputation uh, as, a, as a builder, uh, a community builder, a home builder in in Vancouver. And I'm wondering how much of that is, um, is there actually a strategic kind of branding plan? Like uh, undoubtedly at this point there is, but how did Boza get the reputation? Is it just from, is it kind of organically, did it get that reputation or has there been a lot of thought put into how to market Boza properties I think, I mean, to be honest, I think most of it started with just sort of my dad and their philosophy about just doing things right. And and I guess you can say doing things right is kind of a broad topic, but, you know, for them, it was never gray. It's black or white. And there's stories where, uh, you know, a suite had been finished and the floor wasn't right. And and my dad made them jackhammer the floor out to do it right. Um, There's walls that weren't straight. They take them out and redo it. Um, and then, you know, there's purchasers there that see that and those stories just get echoed out and people talk about, but it's, I think fundamentally it was always about doing things right, doing it once, right. Uh, cause you don't want to have to go back and redo what you did. So it's all those sort of things and not cutting corners that, um, really sort of created the brand and, and where it is today. And maybe Daryl can allude on anything else. I mean, you've, there's anything that I, I didn't really say. Yeah, I mean, I think doing things right and doing the right thing is a is a is a statement that we try and live by, and ensure that our all of our teams live by all the time. And what that means is, you know, doing things right, and again, you know, striving for perfection. But when you don't hit perfection, uh, making the right decision to recalibrate and repair and 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 revise, right? Right. And so, so I think I think to be honest with you, I think the reason why you know, the letters B, O, S, and A, and Boza Properties and Blue Sky Properties have so much value in our market is not because of the product we build, but it's about the manner in which we try and treat people and treat our customers over that period of time. And certainly we've built some great projects that we're really proud of. But I think, I think if, you know, Dale, I mean, it's the relationships that we have with people that I think we're the most proud of. Even though we're really proud of our projects, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's the proud of the, we're most proud of the relationships we have with people. Whether it's our partners and the Siegel family, whether it's uh, on this project uh, and a few others, whether it's the relationships we have with our lenders, with our insurers, with our with our tradesmen and, and women on site, those are the things that that are most gratifying, don't you think? Yeah. So maybe switching gears a little bit, I mean, we're sitting out in Squamish uh, at Sea and Sky, a master plan community. Um, you know, Bose has been developing uh, projects throughout the lower mainland for a long time. Can you maybe speak to to what makes a good development site? Like, and I mean, it sounds like you guys bought, just to preface kind of where this question came from, this this site was purchased, a, it sounds like a long time ago. Um, this project has been underway for at least conceptually for a while. And yet Squamish seems to have taken off five, six, five, over the last five, six years. Like it really makes, from an outsider's perspective, like you guys had a crystal ball. Um, can you talk about what makes a great development site? Well, for me, I think uh, before anything, it's got to have certain fundamentals that, um, you know, obviously like from access, um, uh, transit. I mean, right now, any site, sort of an urban site, you want to try to be close to a SkyTrain station. So those certain fundamentals that I think are really important is just how people sort of access the property. For this site here, I mean, it was just, like I said, it was one of these unique opportunities that, you know, 
that came across that you have 53 acres where that you're right in the, you know, there's connection to nature. You have access to water. Um, and uh, at some point we knew that Squamish was going to be where it is today. And we just had that foresight and that belief that we were going to get there. So that's what really excited us about this opportunity. Um, and then going, you know, I guess even further on that for us right now, what we're trying to do in our developments is we're trying to create a heart or a soul of that energy um, and you make it sort of unique. And, it, and that part of that is about curating spaces where people gather, where they commute and um, they interact. Um, that's part of like even our rental buildings. We're trying to do that as well as we can. Um, same thing with in this community here where there's going to be, you know, there's some retail aspect to it. We have access to the water. We have a community facility that we're putting in that's roughly, what, 17,000 square feet that's going to have a gym, a pool. Um, again, it's where people can gather and create. Uh, we want to have access to the water. We're going to have, you know, there'll be kayaks, stand-up paddle boards that people will be able to use. So there'll be all these activities that within the walking trails, uh, sort of these uh, parks in between the buildings. There's bikes that will be there for people to use. Um, again, all these different things create a real unique community. Um, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think we like a challenge. <clears throat> Excuse me. You think, as I'm listening to Dale talk, I'm thinking back over you know a couple of decades <clears throat> and some of the projects that that we ended up uh, executing on were projects that other developers couldn't make work. Um, so, I mean, this is an example of that site. This 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 site was owned by another developer that uh, you know that that couldn't get it quite right. And, and and we saw the opportunity and saw perhaps where there was an opportunity to better the plan and to create something that would be more desirable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we took that opportunity. We have a couple of other examples in our past where we've done that, right, downtown and in the suburbs. So so I think, you know, we as a group always like a good challenge and we like a problem that, we, we, that we'd like to, you know, provide a different or better solution to. Uh, and certainly this gave us that. But I, but I think... Um, the question was, what, what makes, makes a good. what makes a great development site? I mean, I think Squamish, Squamish as a region or as a city, and Sea and Sky as a project, provide a really nice alternative to the massive amount of change that's been going on in within Metro Vancouver specifically. Right. So we talked earlier about you know how much Squamish is changing, and it is changing. But the pace of change in Squamish is nowhere near what it is in Vancouver right. or in Burnaby or in Coquitlam or in Richmond. And so a lot of people that have expressed interest in being here are people that are living there now and uh, for whom you know they may not feel quite as comfortable in that community as they felt before. There's just so much changing around them. Um, commutes are getting more difficult. Um, suites are getting smaller. Life is not necessarily easier in some of those communities. So Squamish and Sea and Sky provide a really nice um, opportunity for people to have what they thought perhaps was unachievable in those areas. And, you know, it's a 45-minute drive, depending on how you drive. But right. uh, <laughs> uh, maybe shorter or longer for, for one or other. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think what makes what's going to make Sea and Sky uh, successful um, is the fact that there's an opportunity for people to have things they didn't think they could have. I mean, it's, 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 an, it's an incredible setting here. Um, it's, it's not the most affordable townhome project, uh, within Metro Vancouver. Um, it, uh, absolutely not, but it's worth every penny <clears throat> because of the special natural setting, 
the quality that we're putting into this project in terms of infrastructure and parks and pedestrian bridges and walkways and docks and all those sort of things that Dale alluded to. Um, uh, but, but because of this, the, the, the uniqueness and the special quality of this specific neighborhood. What other areas are you guys excited about right now? Maybe in, in Metro Vancouver. Hmm. Well, I mean, we're obviously excited in this, the areas that we have sites. I mean, we're, we have a, we made a big investment in Surrey. Um, we have a lot of years ago though. We've yeah. been there for a while, right? Yeah. About a decade ago, we started. Right. Invest. Uh, we made a big investment in urban sites, downtown Metro town. Um, and then, uh, I mean, we're building, completing product in what white rock. Uh, we just completed something in new West. Yeah. We built one of the largest projects in Coquitlam in a, in a project called low heat heights on North mm-hmm. road, just, yeah. just North of low heat mall. You know, we're going to move thousands. Yeah. But yeah, but I was gonna say about 2,500 people will ultimately live there as well. Right. So we're excited about that. I mean, we're, we're sort of through it now. Construction's almost complete and that project is all sold out, but <clears throat> our journey is sort of coming to an end, but it's the beginning of a journey for 2,500 people that are ultimately going to live there coming up. So we're excited about how that neighborhood's going to mature. Is it, is it mainly like those, a lot of those are right along the sky trains, right? Are you guys focusing on kind of on mass transit? I know you were talking about the fundamentals earlier as, as transit being one of them. Yeah. For the most part in Metro Vancouver, um, we, we want to be close to, uh, sky train, evergreen line, Canada line for sure. Um, but we also have sites that aren't across the street from a sky train station that have, you know, phenomenal opportunities as well. So so as Dale said, we're, we're, we're fairly heavily invested in Surrey and uh, city center there in the Metrotown area and in the downtown peninsula, we've got, you know, phenomenal development sites that, that we'll, we'll, we're excited to get into. Is it, is, you know, the market's changed quite dramatically in the last year, year and a half, as, as everybody knows, and the people who listen to this podcast, do you see this moment uh, I guess two questions. Do you see this moment as as similar to another moment in Vancouver's history? And also, is this a moment of opportunity in your mind? I'll let Daryl talk more about the market you've... Uh, yeah, I, I mean, is there... I, I think that the opportunity for real estate ownership in Metro Vancouver is immense and vast and will be very rewarding for people depending upon the horizon in which you're looking. I mean, it, there we all know people who've who've invested in real estate, whether that's as their principal residence or whether that's as a speculative investment. We all know people who've made, you know, made out very well and done, you know, and, and made a, a very healthy return over a short period of time. But that's generally the, the exception to the rule, right? And so um, I think if your investment horizon is five to 10 years, you will never be wrong in Vancouver. In fact, it would be very hard to find a time uh, 10 years post where someone made a bad purchase decision, right? <laughs> it may appear that way in year one or year two or year three, but um, over time, um, what our market has told us is that you'll be rewarded for investing in this, in, in Metro Vancouver. But if you're trying to time it, uh, try and time it perfectly, the market, there's there's, there's plenty of, of examples where people have gotten it wrong. So, um you know, any of my friends or colleagues or coworkers uh, at Boza who are asking for my opinion, that's what I would always say to them. I mean, if you want to be the smartest person in the room and time it perfectly, you've got a very good probability of being wrong. Um, if you're investing in real estate for the long term, which is what I think we all ought to be doing, 
then I think you'll always be right over time in Vancouver. So, so yeah, we're at a, at, at a, I don't know if we're at a crossroads. Um, I don't know if the market has completely sorted itself out yet across Metro Vancouver. I think there's, there's still some areas that, uh, that are undergoing a bit of a correction. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think over the long term, there's, there, there's still immense uh, potential for our market. I mean, I think we've got to really deal with, we have, we have to deal with affordability in our region. Um, and I think, uh, we all have a shared responsibility in that. I think all levels of government have a shared responsibility in that. And I don't think that's just building more rental. I mean, I don't think that's just the solution. I think, you know, in Metro Vancouver, getting rid of the, the, you know, the, the, the taxation and extractions that go into building a new housing unit at 30% is, is, is egregious and irresponsible and not sustainable. And so I think all levels of government have responsibility to try and solve that. Um, and I think uh, certainly supply and the right kinds of supply in the right kind of neighborhoods and having politicians that are um, have the courage of their conviction to do what's right over the long term for their constituencies is uh, is really important. But I think that's I think we're moving in the right direction now. Okay, interesting. One of the things that's kind of struck me over the years doing this podcast is we've talked to a lot of developers and a lot of urban planners who talk about Vancouver as kind of an, an incubator for for a lot of ideas that spread across North America. And and a lot of the developers in Vancouver are actually kind of exporting talent now uh, across North America. Do you guys have, um, are you involved in other markets? Is there plans to move outside of Vancouver? Um, and, and what areas would you be excited about if, if that's the case? Um, I think you kind of, we, we kind of have to. Um, I mean, for us right now, we uh, most of our product has been in the Lower Mainland, and uh, we're just kind of seeing a unique time where you know you're seeing a lot of government intervention and a lot of layering of of different you know taxes and stuff that's you know putting a little bit of a quietening and dampening of the market, and really, you know, what they're putting in is or it's doing its job. Um, so for us, we we need to look at other opportunities in different markets. So we're building a, a rental building in Seattle. Um, really close to Amazon Village, uh, and um, I mean we're looking at other markets now in the United States as well as Eastern Canada and Toronto, uh, and we're you know, obviously trying to get our foot in the door there right now. So those are the the, the markets that we're looking at. Strictly stuff down the west coast of the United States and uh, Toronto. So, so for us, uh, the two markets we want to be in Canada are Vancouver and Toronto. And uh, we're obviously looking down the west coast of the United States if there's other places that where jobs are being created and um, sort of creates a, you know, a good environment for us to build rental because that would be what we'd be doing if we're down the States. We'd be continuing to build more rental. Maybe as a final question for you guys, we have a lot of, uh, you know, a, a lot of people interested in real estate in Vancouver, obviously, listen to this. A lot of kind of mom and pop investors, aspiring uh, real estate moguls listening. If there was one piece of advice you could give uh, somebody who's just starting out or maybe has one or two doors, uh, is, is there one piece of advice that you would give that you think is very useful? Hmm. Uh, I'm reflecting back on the bad advice I've given friends <laughs> over my career. And and the bad advice that I've given people is usually was around inaction. You know, uh, maybe not. Maybe, maybe this isn't quite the right price. Maybe this isn't quite the right neighborhood. 
And so I literally, you know, I have a cousin that may listen to this who I gave terrible advice to 10 years ago to not buy that house in East Vancouver. Yeah. I've got friends, same thing, right? So, yeah. so uh, if you're not in it, uh, you know, I think my advice would be to be in it and to take action. And over the long term, that will work out. Um, but what, But at the same time, um, being cautious because there's there's so many stories of people that have made ridiculous profit on a flip or you know right, an assignment and and that's that's not real estate investing that's playing um, and uh, so you know you need to be careful yeah uh, but at the same time you know doing all your due diligence but 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 stepping over that fear uh, of you know of, of getting into it because there's more there's 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 far more people I think that that regret. Um, not buying than regret buying in this market mm-hmm. over the long term, right? Over the last five, 10, 20 years. So you're smiling when I say that. Well, yeah, no, I know. There's a guy in my office who, who always tells a story about 15 years ago talking a client out of buying a house on the West Side because he thought it was overpriced by $2,000 or something right. like that. And, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least he's, he, in his mind, the guy still rents a one bedroom in the West End <laughs> yeah. to this day. Yeah. But I, but I think if you're so so that so, so that would be my overarching statement. If 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 the math works for you, and if you can uh, carry it uh, at a time when the market isn't quite as good as this day, or maybe the rental market softens a little bit. By the way, I don't think that's going to happen. But you know, you should you should be able to. The, the math should work for you relatively comfortably. Um, but if you're thinking about buying new. Who you buy from is just as important, if not more, than what you buy. And so whether that's buying from Blue Sky or whether that's buying from one of our other competitors who are who are good at what they do as well, um, the brand that you're buying from is just as important, if not more, than, more important than what you're actually buying. Because at the end of the day, in our business, developers actually have quite a, a fair amount of latitude to make changes and alterations and mm-hmm. to not to live up to promises. I mean, your disclosure statement's a fairly prescriptive agreement, but it's not entirely comprehensive. And within that disclosure statement and within, within Redma, you know, developers have quite a bit of discretion to be right. able to make alterations and changes and to not do things that might have been assumed would be done. And so, um, I'm not, by the way, I'm not pushing for more governmental in- interference in our business when I say that, but, but, I, but I think it's really important that you buy from a developer who has invested in their brand and who's going to be here for the next 10 years and has, um, has sort of skin in the game, so mm-hmm. to speak, and who, uh, who is motivated to, to do the right thing when the chips are down. And certainly we, we count ourselves as one of those developers, um, but we're not the only ones. Right. Yeah, I mean, I would just, I mean, I agree with exactly what Daryl said. And, and the same, I mean, I've had so many people go, what do you think, where do you think the market's going to be? And they kind of ask all these, you know, futuristic questions. Um, but for us, we've always taken the long-term approach. And we're in a, you know, for us, even in this business that we're in, we're always in it for the long, the long game. Um, and I would say the exact same thing to somebody that's purchasing. You know, I mean, look at it as a long-term investment, not something you're trying to make a quick flip on. Because if you're trying to predict the exact science of when this market's going to go up or down, you're going to lose. But if you can look at a 5, 10, 20-year horizon, um, you'll always be fine in Vancouver. Well, maybe that's a, a good place to end it. I know you guys uh, have a meeting coming up. So thanks so much for your time. And how can people find out more about Boza Properties and, and Blue Sky Properties? Uh, BozaProperties.com and BlueSkyProperties.ca. Okay, thanks again for your time, guys. 
There you have it, folks. That was our interview with Dale Bosa and Daryl Simpson. Yeah, really excited about having uh, Daryl and Dale both on the show. And uh, man, I wish I could have been there because um, I'm a huge fan of Bosa and uh, the Bosa family just in general and what they've done in the city of Vancouver. And uh, talk about great amazing, guys. Great guys. amazing product and what a great family. So really appreciate them have, having them on the program. Uh, and Pete Squamish, you're a, you're a big fan of the Squamish area, as am I, but, well, yeah, but it's, specifically. It's, I mean, I was just there this weekend. It's quite nice. Um, we went up uh, went up to Whistler and then into Squamish. Whistler had the Ironman, but came back to Squamish. Were you competing and, at the Ironman? Um, <laughs> what is the Ironman, first of all? Actually, I totally... I used to do triathlons as a kid, and I totally quoted it incorrectly to my to my friend i'm like oh it's you know it's a couple k swim 100k <laughs> bike maybe a 10k run yeah. but it's like a three kilometer swim 160k bike and a full marathon run wow and it was going all day and is actually in, in quite, sequence you have yeah. to do this all and absolutely continuously yeah. yeah and it's it was really impressive like really impressive seeing these guys doing it guys and gals and uh and honestly, like uh, you think it's they're just pure athletes, and most of them are. But then there's people of all shapes and sizes out there, and it's pretty inspiring. I mean, it's not going to inspire me to get off the couch, but uh, uh, you know, I could see it inspiring uh, other people that are more motivated and not uh, as sleep deprived. And and, and, and are the, you sl- the list of conv- uh, the list of excuses can continue. They just stop me anytime. <laughs> and and you were uh, also up there doing some fly fishing. That's right. Did that's you catch right. Anything? I caught nothing. I didn't get a bite. Um, I just got a new fly fishing rod and started uh, a couple of friends of ours. We just started uh, learning the the process. And by the end of the day, we were just super exhausted in the sun all day, which was quite nice. But being out in nature is great. And then decided to watch, uh, you know, a couple of us were going to watch A River Runs Through It, that old Brad Pitt movie about fly fishing with Tom Skerritt as well. I think it was Robert Redford directed. Anyways, um, this is not much about real estate, but fly fishing. Call me up, 604-782-7484. <laughs> we actually used to, um, uh, the, the joke in our household was uh, they're making a uh, movie about Secret's bed called A River Runs Through It. Because <laughs> he used to pee the bed a lot. Yeah, I get it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, what else have we got for today? The sequel was Aquaman. <laughs> Okay, okay, back. Sorry, secret. Uh, we threw you under the bus, under the sea bus. Um, <laughs> okay, so, uh, okay. <laughs> but Pete, we still, before we cut for the day, we still have to give away a copy of Vancouverism by Larry Beasley. It's a signed copy. That's right, Adam. Google review the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast to draw, get yourself eligible for the draw. We are about to draw this week's winner, and it is... Secret. Drumroll. Brandon Favaro. And Brandon wrote, This is a fantastic podcast. You can always count on the Scalina Brothers to bring the most relevant real estate-related topics and guests each and every week. I haven't missed an episode since I discovered this gem 12 months ago, and I will continue to recommend it to friends, family, and coworkers. Keep up the good work. Nice. Thanks very much, Brandon. And a uh, shout-out to Secret for buying the double kick pedal there on the drum solo. <laughs> 
Well done. <laughs> was that double bass? Double bass. Uh... One thing we would do have to mention, though, um, for the interview, they we didn't get a chance to do the five wire. Imagine we didn't. It. We didn't. And and they had to rush off. They had another appointment. They're very busy, guys. Um, but what we will do, Pete, since this is your last week as guest host, wait, what? How about what? we? Uh, what? How about we do the five wire with Pete Stoyakovic? Because you are a lifelong Vancouverite. You were born and raised here. You've barely left. Um, and. Uh, <laughs> And uh, who better than you to comment on uh, the five R? I think it's a, I think it's a good fit. Plenty, plenty better. <laughs> but fair enough. <laughs> so, question number one, Pete: What is your favorite neighborhood? Um, I'd say Main Street, Main Street, Mount Pleasant. Good one. Favorite bar or restaurant? And I should say you don't drink. So, That's favorite right. place for mocktails? Ooh, uh, I would say. I'm gonna say the uh, the juice bar at the Steve Nash Gym. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, guys. I I, I go there so much was, I forget uh, the name. Well, this isn't this isn't getting transcribed on your Tinder account. Um, okay. I'm not on que- Tinder que- anymore. Que- que- question number three: Where is the first place that you bring someone from out of town? Um, usually, it's. I mean, I like to be. Um, I like doing the tourist thing in my own city, so you know, take them to some something outdoors, like whether it's um, you know Cyprus for the views, or you know, just a couple. There's a couple of bars around town that've got some some character. Uh, I like a little bit of a, uh, of grime and grunge, so I go to Boxcar on. Oh, Boxcar North Main. That's right. Yeah, yep. or um, Boxcar is good. That one. whole strip, like there's uh, brick uh, brickyard there. What else around the court? There's a couple things around the court. Juke. The, the... We're, we're going to have to stop you at one. Oh, one, Peter. one, yeah, one. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. And question number four. What is a piece of advice that you'd give your 18-year-old self? Swing up. Swing for the fences. Swing for the fences. Good one. Sound advice. And final question. What is something you've purchased for under $500 that has had a positive impact on your life? That would be my first guitar. <laughs> Recently? You've been playing for years. <laughs> no, it was um, it was an ESP LTD Les Paul copy and uh, ended up playing in a band with Secret for a little bit. And the it got stolen out of the trunk of my car. And we had to do a fundraiser gig to get a new guitar for me. And uh, Did you do a GoFundMe? Or that was, this no, was, it was pre, pre, that was pre GoFundMe. It was pre-internet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I still have some of the uh, the tablets that the the bill was was chiseled in on. <laughs> some stone tablets there. Um but yeah, so stone out so if if anyone's seen a copy Les Paul, <laughs> you can probably you can probably probably afford to buy that one back maybe. Yeah, maybe carbon date it though. It's it's probably worth more as an artifact. <laughs> Excellent. Well, maybe we'll leave it there. But also, Pete, how can people find out more about you? You can call me at 604-782-7484, or you can email me, peter at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574, or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. And we also have that secret line. Info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Work in the double bass. Info. Info. Have a good week, guys. Bye. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today.
Hey, everyone. Pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah. You know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the way. I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer. And they're looking for both donations and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020.